Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans. We're going to jump straight to it. Don't you love our worship band? Give it up for them. Aren't they awesome? We're going to jump straight to it. Romans chapter 1 and we're going to read five verses. Are you going to be okay with five verses? Can you handle me reading that many? Five verses, chapter 20, chapter 20, Romans chapter 1, verse 20 through to verse 25. This is Paul. Paul is writing a letter. The book of Romans is a letter to the church in Rome. And Paul has not been to Rome yet. So he's writing this letter. The first, um, you know, 20 verses are really introductory. He's saying, hey, how are you? Wish I was there. Can't be, but I still love you. And then... What it gets to here is now he's starting to speak of people that are, that are away from God, people that are no longer believers in God. And, and we're going to jump into it at verse 20. It says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So speaking of these people saying, they've got no excuse to turn away from God. You can see God in everything. Because, verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. But they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, the birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonour their bodies amongst themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, for a lie and worship the ser- and serve the created rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Probably not the prayer that you want to, um, open with at somebody's house if you're visiting for dinner. A little bit intense, but we're going we're gonna to talk about it a little bit um, because there's a principle in here that I think for us, if we apply to our life, um, will be a huge blessing um, to us. Before I do continue, I do want to welcome. It's a great honour for us to have Bishop Sean O'Neill here. Bishop O'Neill is the overseer for the state. Again, again, that was an appalling clap. And if we're going to honour somebody who is the state overseer of the Church of God for California, we're going to do it right. So please give it up. Love you, sir. Appreciate you. It's a huge honour to have you here. Um, also great to have our First Lady, Bishop Sharice. She, it's her request that she be referred to as Bishop Sharice from now on. And uh, if you know her, that is like her uh, greatest nightmare. So don't do that. Um, but it's also great to have Pastor Sharice here. Oh, what is with these claps? There we go. Okay, we're getting better. Okay, so let's jump into this um, portion of Scripture. So Paul is talking about people who have fallen away from God. And in the tail end of these few verses, he's using these ways to describe their state. And let's be really honest, this is pretty intense language that he's using. Okay, Paul refers to these people and it says that God has handed them over. God at this point is saying of these people, you know what guys, I'm done with you. Go your way and do what you wanna do. Paul speaks of them as being bound in their own lustful 
desires. They are now worshipping things that are the created. So if you look at it, you'll see they worship cows. They started worshipping eagles. They started worshipping idols. I say all of that to say is these people here that Paul is referring to are pretty jacked up. Let's just put it like that. Whenever we look at Scripture, we need to be reminded, James tells us to look at Scripture like it's a mirror. And we need to look at God's words and the verses on this page and try and see where we find ourselves in it and how it relates to our lives. We never wanna look at Scripture in a way that we take a posture like we have it all together or we know it all. We always wanna look at it with this openness of heart that says, God, show me what I need to work on. Show me where I need to grow. And I've got to be honest, when, when I read these verses and it's talking about these people, it's talking about them being so consumed with the lust of their heart that they now dishonour their bodies amongst themselves, that they're worshipping idols and God Himself has given them up to their own evil desires. I've got to be honest, I look at it and I'm sort of, I'm not trying to big note us, but I'm, it's hard to find how that relates to us. Okay, let me just take you on a little journey of how I process God's Word. I look at it and I'm like, okay, like I get it. These people are nuts, right? Let's be honest, they've lost it. And I sort of said to God, I'm like, I get it, God, but where do, you know, like, I know I'm, I'm not, you know, and I know that, you know, we're all making mistakes, but, but we're not, God's not, just done with us. God's not giving us up. It's hard, I saw, I saw it to say, it's hard for us to sort of relate a little bit when you look at this story because we see us as not altogether made it, but we see us as doing a little bit better than these people. Okay, let's just put it like that. If you're not, and this is where you're at in life, then that's fine, come after and we can pray for you. But for the most part, for the most part, we're not at a place in our life where we have so turned our backs on God that God has given us up to our own lustful desires, right? Let's say that. So I look at these verses and I'm sort of asking the Holy Spirit, where does, where does this relate to us? What is in this for us? And then I saw something early on in verse 21 that was astounding to me and it actually challenged me. What struck me in these verses was not actually the state at which we find these people in the end in verse 25, where God is like, I'm done with you guys. But what strikes me, not at where they ended up, but what strikes me at is the where they started. And it says here in verse 21, it says that these people knew the word new they knew God. This word new is not a religious word. This word new is the Greek word gnosko, which means intimate relationship and connection. And this was so frustrating to me because this messed up my sermon. Because if, if it had have said these people were religious, then that would have made a great sermon, wouldn't it? 
Because what I would have preached, if it said these people were religious and then they ended up getting into lust and getting crazy and then God was done with them, that would have made a good sermon because then I could have preached about how you cannot be in religion and you have to be in relationship with God. And if it's just about ticking a box on Sunday, then you're gonna fall away from God and God wants to know who you are and He wants intimate personal relationship with you. And we would have all stood to our feet and shouted and screamed and we would have left here feeling really good about ourselves because we know Jesus and all of those religious people people are lost. That would have been a great sermon. But this is where it messes with me is that it actually says here that these people had a personal relationship with God. It's it's the same word, this word new is the same word that it actually describes that Jesus will say to us, When people come to heaven, He'll say, come before Him in the judgment throne, He'll say one of two things. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or He will say what? Depart from me, I never knew you. It's the same word in the Greek. And this is what was so astounding to me is that these people that Paul is referring to, these were not religious people. These were people that knew Jesus. And that was the moment when I realised maybe I'm not so different to these people in this verse. Maybe I'm not, maybe there's not such a large gap between me and them. That maybe if they were susceptible to this type of temptation of the enemy to go down the road that they went down, then maybe I am as well. And so I started looking at this and it helped me understand something when I started to read these verses and helped me to see that I need to continue to look at this like it's a mirror and say, God, what are you trying to speak to me? Because in these verses is a fundamental principle that I know is gonna help us in our walk with God. Because as we look at these people in verse 21, the people we see in verse 21 is very different to those that we see in verse 25. Because verse 21 are people that know Him. Verse 21 are people that are in connection with Him. Verse 21, according to that word, know, are people that are abiding in Him. And this is my question. How do you go from being in intimate, personal connection and relationship with God? Not religious, but relationship to all of a sudden your life now is so depraved that God Himself is saying to us, you know what, just go your own way and do your own thing. That's astounding to me. We probably all know people that we look at now and once served the Lord, once loved the Lord, and now they are not walking with Him. And we have to ask ourselves a great question to ask ourselves when it comes to the things of God is how and why? Because we have to learn. And the answer is actually found, I saw the answer in the next few words that these verses say in verse 21, it says, because although they knew Him, it says this, they did not glorify Him as God. The word glorify, it means to value. So they had personal relationship with Him but they did not value what they had. And so the thought that I wanna share today is just simply this. I wanna talk about grace for granted. Grace 
for granted. Because this is what's happening in this story. This is where these people spiral out of control and so turn their back away from God. Not because they were not in relationship with Him, but simply because the relationship that they had with Him made available by the grace of God, they took it for granted. Do you find yourself taking God's grace for granted? Do you stand here in church on a Sunday and do you have to pinch yourself for a moment because you have to remind yourself that this is real, that you get the opportunity to actually stand and worship God knowing how messed up and screwed up we all are? Or do we stand there with our hands in our pockets wondering when the band's gonna finish this song because we don't like it and get onto a song that we like? Because if that's our mindset, I wanna challenge you, you're taking God's grace for granted. Because it's only by the grace of God that each and every one of us get to stand here this morning and sing these songs in God's presence. It's only by God's grace that we get to wake up and open the Word of God that there are countries in this world that would do anything to just have a page of it in their church. And we sort of will wake up and decide if we have time to read a verse or if we've got time to listen to it while we're driving in our car. I don't know about you, but I catch myself every single day taking God's grace so for granted, forgetting the gift that is the blood of Jesus Christ upon my life. Church, I wanna tell you, we are on a fast track to a bad place when we start taking the grace of God for granted. And the challenge that I wanna give you today is I wanna give you, I was asking God to just show me, I like it if you can leave with something. Because there's no good about, there's no good for us to come to church on Sunday and, and shout and amen something on Sunday that we don't know how to live on Monday. And so I wanna give you something because like I said, a great question to ask when it comes to the things of God is how? Ben, how do I not take God's grace for granted? Because I think, I think if we were to be real honest, I think every single one of us would have to say, Ben, you know what? I catch myself taking His goodness and His grace in my life for granted every single day. I think we would all have to agree that we do. But not this week. This week, we're gonna do things different. This week, we're gonna live different and I'm gonna give you some things to do to make sure that you don't take God's grace for granted. Are you ready? That was incredibly, there we go. See, now you're just trying too hard. That clap was far too long, needed to stop. All right, listen, I want you to write this down. I want you to see the next thing that he says, and we're gonna take this from the Scripture here because I don't want to preach something that's not there. He says, they did not glorify Him as God. Look at this, nor were thankful. The first thing I want you to write down, and God gave me five things because the number five means grace. Oh my gosh, this is a great sermon already. Five grace, five points, little title. My goodness, I am proud of myself today. The first thing that I want you to write down, is that I want you to write down this week, you know what, I'm going to live grateful this week. I'm going to live grateful. 
I know it's simple. I know it's basic. But I want to tell you, it is so powerful when you, when you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to be grateful for every single thing that God has given me this week. I took my kids yesterday. We took my kids to the beach and uh, they're at the beach. And then um, I said to them, after the beach, we can go get ice cream. My kids have it in their head, ingrained in their brain that the best ice cream that you can get in Orange County is found at the gas station. (laughs) I'm as clueless as you are. I don't know where this came from. I'm not a cheapskate, I promise. I've taken my kids to really nice proper ice cream places, but in their mind, the best place for ice cream, the gas station. So I said to them, all right, we're going to get ice cream. We're going to go to the gas station. So we took them to the gas station. They went, don't judge me, okay? I'm just, I'm just trying to make this thing work. So we went to the gas station. They get the ice cream, get in the car. And so as we're driving along in the car, I said this to them. I'll try and say it to them each day because I want them to get this as a mindset of how they approach life. And I said, guys, why don't you guys tell me one thing that you're grateful for today? And so Luca, in the back seat, he yells out to me. He says, Dad, I'm grateful for ice cream. I said, okay, good. And his sister was beside him and she's in the seat and she's got her ice cream too. And I said, what about you, baby? What are you grateful for, Leo? And I could see a little mind going over and she's looking at Luca and looking at her ice cream. And I could see what was going on. She's thinking she wants to say the same thing that he said. So she says, Dad, I'm grateful for the way ice cream tastes. And I'm like, touche, Leo, touche. And I sort of smiled, like as they said that, I sort of smiled because it's, you know, it's kids being kids. And in those moments, sometimes in those moments, I think as adults, we look at kids and like I did in my mind, I thought, it's the simple mind of a four and six-year-old. And it's almost like, in it, I caught myself almost looking down upon their response a little bit because I'm like, wouldn't it be great to just, if life was that easy, where you could just say, I'm grateful for ice cream. And then as I was thinking that, I felt the Holy Spirit almost check me and just say, Ben, learn something. And sometimes I think we let these moments pass so quick and we think we have it all together and we miss maybe the lesson the Holy Spirit's trying to teach us through a four and six-year-old with ice cream on their face that in the middle of the situation, they're not going to miss a moment where they're going to thank God for gas station ice cream. And I think for us, the challenge there in it is even in, and it's such a simple, basic, almost silly example, but even in the little things this week, this is what Paul was saying of these people at the start. He says, you have no excuse to fall away from God. He says, you can see God in everything. Walk outside and look up and you'll see the goodness of God. But we are so busy on our phones and surrounded by so many distractions and we wonder why we're riddled with anxiety and riddled with fear when we don't know how to take a moment and stop and say, God, I'm just thankful for gas station ice cream with my two beautiful kids right now and I'm not gonna take this moment for granted. I'm gonna live grateful and just be grateful. Paul Paul said it like this, Paul in a prison, Paul in a prison in Philippians chapter four and verse 10 to 13, but I rejoice, which means to be calmly happy. To be calmly happy in the Lord greatly. He goes on 
further down to say, not that I speak in regard to need for I've learned in whatever state, whether good or bad. How challenging are Paul's words, not just because of what he's saying, but where he is when he's saying it. In a rat infested prison, he's saying, I don't have any need because God has been good to me. Church, we can learn something from this. You make a decision this week to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live grateful. I'm going to live grateful this week. This helps us not take God's grace for granted. God doesn't owe us anything. We forget that. We live with this mindset of, of He's like a genie in a bottle and if I do things right and pray and worship and do that, then God's supposed to spit out this blessing. He doesn't owe us anything. We owe Him. Remember, He's the master. I'm the servant. Too often I catch myself acting like I'm the servant. And He's the master. I'm, I'm the master and He's the servant. We've got to be reminded of this, that we're there, as Paul said, we talked the other week, as bond servants to serve Him. So anything that we get is a blessing. Every breath you take is a blessing. Every moment you have is a blessing. This week, I'm gonna live grateful. The second thing I want you to write down, and this one I like because I get to say things that I probably shouldn't say, but it's in the Bible, so you can't email me about it. It says here that they were, not, they were not thankful. Look at the next verse, the next few words. But they became futile. Say futile. Futile in their thoughts and foolish hearts and their foolish hearts were darkened. The word futile, if you look it up in the Greek, it's, it, the same word is foolish. They both mean the same thing. Do, do you know what the word futile means? It means to be to, to think dumb. He said their thinking was just dumb. Okay? Listen to me because I'm going to explain something to you that's a very, very theological principle. Paul is saying to them in this, do you know what where they messed up? It wasn't because their thoughts were incredibly evil. It wasn't because their actions were incredibly evil and not centred around God. Do you know what he's saying here? He's just saying here, they started to mess up and go down the wrong road just because they started to do dumb things and to think dumb things. You know my second thing for you this week to write down? Don't be dumb this week. Don't be dumb. And, and I, when that came to me and I thought, oh, look, that's a, you know, saying that to people on a Sunday morning. But then I thought of our culture and our society and I thought, you know what? This is really going to help people. <laughs> and do you know why? Because we are so often doing dumb things every single day and we're giving the devil credit for things he's not doing. I'm doing them myself. 
You know how I know I'm doing dumb things is when I go to my phone at the end of the day and I look on my phone at how much time I spent on Instagram that day and I realise, Ben, you are getting too caught up doing dumb things. And some of you are spending a lot more time on your phone than I am. And what we do is we get on our phone and we watch dumb videos of some cat lover videoing their cat falling off the couch. And then we watch that video. And then you know what we do? We send that video to another dumb person. And do you know what that dumb person does? They also do something dumb and they watch it and they send it to a group chat full of dumb people. And in that group chat, there's one dumb person that wants to send it to their family group chat. Now we have a family of dumb people watching the same dumb video. Do you know how much simpler your life would be if we just made a decision? You know what, I'm just, today, I'm I'm not gonna do dumb things. Why do we have to wait for things to become evil before we choose not to do them? Why can't, listen, why can't we just decide, I'm just not gonna do it, not because it's evil, but just because it's dumb. I was talking with somebody last week and I'm ashamed to say that this was a conversation, but it reflects the state of the church in the Western world today, where we were talking about whether or not it's good or bad for senior pastors to smoke weed. Yeah. And and we're talking about that and we're talking about what Scripture says about it. And, and, and as we're sort of talking it through and trying to look at Scripture and all of the different things that it says to be of sober mind and all of those different things, it suddenly occurred to me, I'm like, you know what? Whether it's in Scripture or not, I actually just think it's really dumb. And why do we have to wait for something to become evil before we choose not to do it? Do you know how much better your life would be and how much more time you would have and how much more clarity you would have in your mind to focus on things that actually really matter? If you just made a decision, you know what? I'm not gonna do dumb things. When you do dumb things, you become an easy target for the enemy. Have you read the story of Samson? In Judges chapter 16, we see the story of Samson. And sometimes I think Samson gets a bad rap. Because when you look at the story of Samson, I don't know how malicious he really was. I don't necessarily think he was incredibly evil. You know what? I, think, I just think Samson was just straight dumb. Bro, listen, bro gets hooked up with this chick. And, and she's cute. And she says to him, hey, like, do you want to like hang? And it, this is my like sketchy chick accent, okay? So just, <laughs> just, just go with me, all right? It's my sermon. So she's like, hey, so should we hang? And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so he goes over to her house, right? They're like hooking up. And, and, and so while they're like laying there, she's like, hey, baby, like, I just want to, <laughs> I don't know how long I can keep this voice on for, Okay. Like it might not last the whole story. It's just a lot. And so, and he's like, and she, he's, she's like, hey, so can you tell me like where your strength comes from? And he's like, oh, yeah, it comes from both strings. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. Go to sleep now. He goes to sleep, right? She ties it. This is in the Bible. Don't look at me like that. It's in there. So he ties her up with both strings, right? 
Then she invites the Philistines in. Of course, Samson's not telling the truth. So he gets up, he breaks the bowstrings, right? And he escapes. Then, the, the, then um, Delilah realises that he was not telling her the truth. And Delilah's like, oh, baby, like you lied to me. Do you even really love me? And Samson's like, no, I really do. I'm really sorry. I was just joking. And so, <laughs> this is so bad. I know, just, just stay with me. Stop it. I feel like I'm like teaching a Sunday school class here, like talking to my kids. Where were we at? Okay, so dumb, dumb Samson and sketchy Galila. And so what happens is, so then they start talking. She's like, I'm sorry. She's, and then he's like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, so really, why is your strength? Like forget about the fact that Samson, I want to slap him and be like, bro, do you not realise that she set you up the first time? Do you like, where is your head? Right? So then she has a conversation again. The same conversation. Go read it. You have to read it to believe it. Then she's like, hey, so um, can you tell me your strength? Like anybody else will be like, um, no, you idiot, because I told you before and you tried to set me up. I'm getting the heck out of here. I'm scared of you now, you psychopath. I should never have come to your house and you're a crazy Jezebel and you've got a spirit of lust and I wanna get the hell out of here and you're freaking me out, never touch me, text me or call me again. That would have been a great response. But Samson's like, oh yeah, no, I get my strength from robes. And if you tie robes, so she ties him with robes. The Philistines come, this thing happens three times. Not evil, not evil, just dumb. Dumb, do you know how many situations you find yourself in that you are blaming the devil for and it's not the devil's fault, it's just dumb. Don't do it. Let me tell you, do you know what else is dumb? It's dumb not to tithe to the church, okay? This is not about me trying to get your money. If you're upset about that, keep your money. God will build the church. He's not upstairs saying like, I need a 20. Like he's got money, okay? So this is not about, it's not about me trying to get your money. But I'm just saying, when the God, right, who spoke the world into existence, puts an instruction in His Word in accordance with His Word to bless your finance, and you're like, yeah, well, we might not just do that because it might just be false. You know what that is? That's dumb, bro. And it doesn't matter how much you pray over your finances and declare the blood and plead the blood. If you don't live your life according to God's Word, you will not be blessed. It's just dumb. It's dumb. People are like, show me your... Listen, do you know what else? Let me tell you what else is really dumb. Do you know what else is really dumb? Making church attendance on Sunday an option. Let me tell you, parents, that is so dumb. And I know Jimmy's got basketball. Listen, Jimmy's not very good, okay? I'm so sorry, okay? Listen, I'm sorry. He's not, listen, I'm helping you. Jimmy's not going to the NBA. There's no scouts there looking for him. They're not like, oh, well, should we get this Jimmy? He's two foot nothing. The guy can't catch a ball. You're sacrificing church and the Kingdom of God for the sake of Jimmy's agenda. Because let me tell you something, Jimmy likes basketball now and then next year he's gonna like his PS5. And then you're gonna be stuck whether you skip church to let Jimmy play his PlayStation or not because you just spent 12 months of telling little Jimmy that church doesn't matter and basketball does. It's just dumb. 
It's dumb. And I'm not trying to be critical as parents. Listen, I'm a parent. My son played soccer last year. God bless the little kid. He was not very good, okay? (laughs) My son in soccer, we had a very embarrassing problem. This was the problem. My son, when he plays soccer, he does not run, he skips. (laughs) Yeah, laugh at me. He's not your kid. All the other dads on the soccer field are yelling out at their kids, great goal, son. Good pass. I'm over here. Luca, run, don't skip, please. Luca's like this. I'm like, what what are you doing? Like skipping through the daffodils? Brad, run, get aggressive, hurt people, kick something. It would be the dumbest thing on the planet for me to say, Luca, we're going off to soccer and not going to church. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna raise my kids coming to church every single Sunday. So they grow up learning that church is not an option. Church is a necessity. It's just dumb. It's dumb. Is basketball evil? No. Is soccer evil? No. Is Instagram evil? No. Is TikTok evil? Well, no, no. It's just... It's just just dumb. And why do we have to wait for things to become evil before you choose not to do them? It's how you can start taking, valuing God's grace better when we make a decision. No, I'm not going to do dumb things because God's given me a gift called life. And I'm I'm not going to spend my time doing dumb things that don't matter to the kingdom and don't make a difference to my eternity because you're called to something greater than just sitting around spending hours and hours on social media and living a life that's completely self-absorbed. It's just dumb. That was number two. Let's go real quick through the next few because I don't want to keep you past the time. The second thing I want you to see is in verse 22, it says, they were professing to be wise, professing to be, and professing to be wise, they became fools. They're professing, listen to this, professing to be wise, trying to, trying to do things in their own strength. The first, third thing I want you to write down is we need to give Him credit, give God credit. You can't do it in your own strength. You, you have taken grace for granted when you start trying to do things in your own strength. We can't do this. I can't be a dad in my own strength. Can't preach a message in my own strength. I can't make good decisions in my own strength. They were professing to be wise, trying to be puffed up, trying to act like they had it all together. How many times do we have to learn the hard way? You've heard me say it time and time again. His ways are not just different to my ways. His ways are better than my ways. But we continue to choose our ways of doing things. Choose His ways and then give God the credit. Don't walk away puffed up from a meeting that went great at work. Rush yourself to the car and shut the door so no one will hear you and think you're back crazy and put worship on and take a moment and say, God, thank you so much. Don't take credit, give God the credit. Give God the glory if it was not for His goodness, if it was not for His grace, we wouldn't even be here. 
Some of us were more jacked up than we present on Sunday. And we start walking in like God owes us something. He does not owe us a single thing and He deserves credit for every single great moment we have here. He's giving Him credit, give Him credit. Write down number four real quick and then I'll give you five and we'll close. Four real quick. Involve, involve Him always. Involve God's grace always in every single area of your life. Involve Him. Invite Him into your marriage. Pray together. Some of you are like, well, I, bet I don't know what to pray. Listen, God doesn't, we don't have to have it all together and all right. In fact, He loves it when we don't. So praying together might sound like this. Baby, come here, stand with me. I don't know what I'm doing, but just let's just see how it goes. Lord, thank You for today. Pray that You help us. Be with us. Help our crazy kids. In Jesus' Name, Amen. It's not that hard. You know what you're doing when you're doing that? You crack the door a little bit to let God in. You just crack the door a little bit, just a little bit. Crack the door over your kids. You say, my kids won't let me pray for them. Wait till they're asleep. I'm standing here as a testament of parents that did this. I remember going home to my parents' house to stay. And I'll go into the spare room where I would sleep and I would lay down in the bed. And before I get in the bed, I would see this little glistening mark on the edge of the bed, bed frame where I would lay and sleep. And it used to frustrate me and make me so mad because I knew what it was. Because my back crazy Pentecostal mother would go in there before I get in there with some oil and she would put it on the bedpost. I would say, stop making oil, put an oil on my bedpost. I'm standing here so grateful that she did. We're called to live a life of prayer. Pray without ceasing. Involve Him. Involve Him. Involve Him in your work. When you involve Him, you, in, in, you invite His grace into that situation. Don't take it for granted. Say, God, would You be a part of my day today? God, would You be a part of my marriage? Would You be a part of my friendships? Would you help me parent today? Be a part of my life as you involve Him. You're honouring His grace. You're saying when you involve Him, God, I can't do this without You. The last thing I want you to write down, I'm gonna close, I don't have time to like go into a whole lot, but I want you to write down 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. The last point, number five, is grow in grace, grow in grace. 2 Peter 3.18, he says, Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour. Grow, grow. There's a verse, and, and again, for sake of time, but there's a verse that we, we misinterpret and it's Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. There's a portion of the verse in that verse that we take and we misuse it. And we say this, the anointing breaks the yoke. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but I'm saying it's deeper than that. Because we make it superstitious. And we think the anointing breaks the yoke, which means if I just go and get someone to anoint me and pray for me, then what I'm dealing with will be broken off my life. But that's not what it means. 
And, and we don't have like a lot of time, so I, need you, I just need the Holy Spirit to help me. But the word anointing in the Hebrew, and I'll say it wrong, but it's shaman, S-H-A-M-E-N. The interpretation for that word, shaman, anointing, and I'm under the pump because I've got the state bishop for the Church of God here, so I need to get it right, okay? But it actually means, it's interpreted this, stay with me, it sounds weird, but it means fatness, right? So the Hebrew way to interpret the anointing breaks the yoke would be to say fatness breaks the yoke. Now, again, that doesn't make sense because we don't really understand what a yoke is. But real quickly, a yoke was a timber wooden apparatus that would go over the top of a bull or oxen that would bind them to another bull or oxen. So this is where it's so powerful because the interpretation basically means that as the bull or oxen gets fat and grows, what was binding it breaks. And it breaks because the bull gets fatter. Do you see what's happening here? So as we grow, it's not like if I go to a prayer line, someone anoints me, all of a sudden I walk out and not have problems. No, you've got to grow out of those bondages. And as the Holy Spirit does it by the grace of God, this is how we get set free. We get set free as we grow. And this is why we in the Western church, we are so shallow in our work with God because we refuse to submit to the process of growth because growth is uncomfortable. And growth means I need to do more than just go to church on Sunday and clap and shout. And growth means that I need to get in a small group and get people and community around me that will challenge me and tell me things sometimes that I don't wanna hear and don't wanna do. And it comes from people that I don't even like. And sometimes that sucks. But like iron, Scripture says, like iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens or one person sharpens another. So yeah, just keep coming to church, but you won't grow. You'll get inspired. You'll get a great little word. But the enemy is not playing games. And I'm not trying to, put our focus and attention upon the enemy. I don't like doing that, but understand the second we leave here, His plan is to kill, steal and destroy. You think a pretty word on Sunday is gonna survive, gonna grow you? It's not. That's why we have to be in the Word every day. And we've got to get people around us that pour into us and challenge us so that we can grow so that what was holding us back yesterday cannot hold us back today because I grew too big for yesterday's bondage and now I can walk free. Don't take His grace for granted. And I'm gonna close, but this week, this is what you're gonna do, right? I know you all wrote them down. Live grateful. Don't be dumb. I like that one. Look at your spouse, say, don't be dumb. Some of you ladies said other words as well, but that's your prerogative. <laughs> Live grateful, don't be dumb. Give Him credit, involve Him always and grow in grace. This is our seven day homework. Don't take grace for granted. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.